Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through his word and through his presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful to have you here. Friday to you. And if it's not a happy Friday, I hope it is a joy-filled Friday. Remember that joy is not happiness. It's not based on our happenings. It's not based on our circumstances. It is that deep, abiding, bubbling strength that comes up on the inside of our soul and has its source in the presence of God. And so I hope that you're walking in the strength and the joy of Jesus today, even if it's not a happy Friday. Today, I am just going to share a few simple thoughts. This is nothing fancy, but it's really from a full heart. And this is not an episode that I've had on my podcast list necessarily. This was really just birthed in my time with Jesus this morning. And I want to talk to you about sitting with Jesus. The reason that I wrote unedited and the reason that the unedited podcast exists at all is because God birthed an intense desire in my heart help others find in him what I had found in him. To find a relationship, to find hope and healing that were birthed in my life as I sat with him, as I carved out time for him to work in my life through the habit of Bible reading and prayer. And I still long, 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 long to help others find a relationship with Jesus. He's not looking for routine. He's not looking for religion. He is longing for one thing, and that is relationship. And it's what we're longing for. Our soul needs relationship with him. And that relationship happens as we consistently give him access to our hearts and our minds through the habit of Bible reading and prayer. And as we learn of him in his word. And again, our soul needs relationship. And so today, again, this is very simple. It's just an encouragement and a reminder to sit with Jesus, to make a place in your life and in your schedule where he can work and where he can move on a daily basis. And it's relationship. It's going to look a little different from day to day. But this morning, I was heavy. I walked into my prayer closet with some burdens on my shoulders. Um, I was actually sleepy as well. Um, And I've been walking through a little bit of a dark time, just carrying a heavy burden for a family member. And in addition to that, I've heard several very sad stories this week. And so again, I walked into my prayer closet, waited, but I had time to sit with Jesus. And so I talked to him. There was no emotion. I just talked. And I opened my Bible and I read Leviticus chapter 2, and I read the second half of John chapter 6, I think starting at like verse 16. 
And I will tell you, this is a random side note, a bunny trail, but I've been reading one chapter of Old Testament and one chapter of New Testament, and I love it. I've never done that before, um, but I was kind of getting a little bogged down in Exodus a few weeks ago, and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to just throw in some New Testament along with this. And so um, I am really loving it. So I read Leviticus chapter 2, and I've read the second half of John chapter 16, and the Word of God literally just broke me it lifted my spirit. I mean, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, there were a few little things that just sort of stood out to me, but there wasn't like this great epiphany moment or wow moment. A light did not shine down from heaven, but it was just the power of the word of God that just lifted my spirit. And then after I had finished reading and praying, and then I was just weeping at this point, I opened my journal to one of the first few pages um, where I had started writing a number of months ago. And I ran across some sermon notes from Brother Woodward, and there was a little spot where I had needed to finish something. So I went back and listened to part of the sermon, and wow, just absolutely wow. God ministered to me in that little chunk of the sermon that I listened to. It was about gratitude, and next week's episode is about gratitude. And just God just continued to minister to me as I sat with him. And so today, I sat with Jesus for a few hours, and I don't always have time to sit for a few hours. We all have schedules. We all have lives. This is not me saying we have to sit for hours and hours every day. We don't always have that luxury. But today I had that time, and my heart is lighter. My burden is lifted, and I have strength to face the day and walk in trust. And that is the result of sitting. I am so much better off because I sat, and In general, I am so much better off when I sit with Jesus, when I get to his feet. Remember, he said that Mary had chosen the good part that could not be taken away from her. We're doing eternal work when we sit with Jesus, when we listen to him, when we pour out all that we are before him. He invests so much in our lives as we sit with him. And so again today, This is just birthed out of a very personal experience, and I really just want to encourage you to take time to sit with Jesus. And again, it doesn't have to be ours. Please take no condemnation out of that, or don't feel anything like, I could never sit with Jesus for two hours or however long. Our pastor often teaches our church that when you're learning to establish a prayer life, set a timer, maybe for 10 minutes, maybe for 15 minutes, maybe for 20 minutes, for a reasonable length of time. And even if you don't talk the whole time, he tells us, just sit there with the Lord. Teach yourself to be quiet. Teach your soul to be quiet. Teach yourself to talk to an invisible being. And just sit with Jesus. Even if you don't talk for the length of that timer, for that duration. And this can start off being a little boring to our flesh. Obviously, we know our flesh is likes action. It likes activity. It likes doing and seeing. And it likes excitement. It likes to feel like it's accomplishing something. But what starts off as a little boring grows to become the absolute best part of our lives. Last year, I found a little treasure tucked into 1 Corinthians 7. Paul is actually giving instructions to single people, and he's talking to single women. I don't have the whole passage in front of me. But he's basically saying, you know, it's it's actually better if you're single because you can devote yourself to the Lord. And there's this little phrase in this, and he says that you may attend upon the Lord. And I looked up that little word attend in 1 Corinthians 7, 35, and absolutely wow. It is the only time that Greek word is used in the Bible, 
I will not try to say the Greek word for you, but it means to sit constantly by, to be devoted. What a word. We can sit constantly by, and I'm, I'm not single, but I love just that concept of sitting by him and being devoted to him. What a little treasure tucked right in the middle of this obscure place in scripture. And that's part of why I love the word of God so rich and so deep. And again, I don't always have the luxury of sitting for a few hours, but when I do, I will. And we all have responsibilities, but this is absolutely the solution for us. Creating space in the middle of our busy schedules, in the middle of our busy lives, in the middle of this dark world is how we establish relationship with him. And this is the thing that we were created for. So take some time today, if you haven't already, to sit with Jesus, to sit at his feet. And as I sat with him this morning, I was reminded of an old chorus in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, Troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the King. And it is truly in the presence of Jehovah, sitting with him, that our troubles vanish, our troubles are put in perspective, we're reminded of eternal things, thought patterns are rewritten, hearts are mended, broken places in our souls, deep places in our souls are healed and corrected and mended, burdens are lifted, Direction is given, strength and joy are poured into us as we sit in the presence of the King. Today, I am going to share an unedited journal entry called Why I Love the Psalms. Before I do, I'm going to share a little quote from Charles Spurgeon. I like what he had to say. He said, The delightful study of the Psalms has yielded me boundless profit and ever growing pleasure. Common gratitude constrains me to communicate to others a portion of the benefit with the prayer that it may induce them to search further for themselves. And so today I'm going to share why I love the Psalms in the words of Charles Spurgeon to hopefully induce you to search them further for yourself. Why I love the Psalms. Yesterday I was asked if I love the Psalms, and the answer to that question is emphatically yes. I love the Psalms. Yesterday I also opened my Bible, and my eyes fell on Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. And this is a precise example of why I love the Psalms. I know depths, and someone else thousands of years ago knew depths. My heart finds comfort and hope in that one simple phrase. The entirety of Psalm 130 is so beautiful. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If the Lord shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. By the way, I love how it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait. And in his word, do I help? I'm just throwing that out there. I love it. 
Anyways, this particular psalm is such a picture of what is repeatedly seen in the psalms. Deep, dark emotions which are overridden with truth and trust, leading to bold, faith-filled declarations of the mercy and the goodness and the sovereignty of God. In no other place in scripture do we see the spectrum of human emotion and human experience play out more clearly. Both heights and depths are recorded. Unimaginable lows and soaring highs are captured and memorialized for all humanity to observe. The Psalms are almost exactly the halfway point of the Bible. In my Bible, page 913 is halfway, which is Psalm 111 to 113. At least 73 Psalms are attributed to David, whom God chose to call a man after his own heart. In my opinion, this makes the Psalms a portrait of what so endeared God to the heart of David. He wasn't walled off from God. He shared the deepest and most brilliant moments with his Creator. We never or rarely see David sharing these emotions with others in the stories of his life in the Samuels and Kings. But here in the Psalms, in his poetry and prose, they are displayed in their purest and most raw form. And with this, it is almost as if God is giving us permission and inviting us to hurt, to feel, to have the pendulum swing from sorrow to exhilaration. In many ways, the Psalms paint a portrait of David's heart for us to admire and examine all these millennia later. And for this reason, the Psalms are a gift and a rare treasure for all. The Psalms are a refuge for the heartbroken and the hurting. The Psalms are a display of praise and worship from mountaintops and valleys. A few of the reasons I love the Psalms. Number one, David and other writers love for the word of God is showcased. And I'm so convicted by that because they didn't have nearly as much of the Bible as I do. Psalm 119 verse 161, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. Psalm 119, 143. Trouble and anguish have taken hold upon me, but thy commandments are my delight. Therefore, I love thy commandment above gold, yea, above fine gold. Psalm 119, 127. Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, 114, Thou art my hiding place and my shield, I hope in thy word. Psalm 119, 92, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should have perished in my affliction. In Psalm 19, David says, The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statutes, commands, and his judgments are to be desired more than gold. Oh, to love the word like David and other writers of the Psalms. Number two, the Psalms are fuel for my prayers. And sometimes they are my prayers. The other day, Brother Woodward said, the Psalms are the prayer book of Israel. And I can say that they have been my prayer book too. There have been days and seasons where I have had no words of my own to pray but I have drugged my weakness and wounds and fears into the presence of God and prayed Psalm 27, one through two. The Lord is my light 
and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 91, 1 through 2. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Number three, not only have the Psalms fueled my prayers, they have fueled my worship. They have been an instruction manual on how to glorify and magnify this amazing God I am privileged to know and serve and walk with. Psalm, 130, or Psalm 34, 1 through 2, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Psalm 57, 8 through 11, I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, for thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. P.S. David wrote this from a cave. Number four, the Psalms have taught me how to declare things, even things I may not feel. Psalm 56, 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Psalm 118, verse 17, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Psalm 77, 7 through 15, will the Lord cast off forever and will he be favorable no more? Has God forgotten to be gracious? And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High, who is so great a God as our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. These and many other phrases are things I have declared in spite of present emotions and present circumstances. The Psalms have taught me that truth trumps feelings and that my job is to verbalize truth in the face of feelings. Number five. The word because in the Psalms has shown me that experience becomes a birthplace of praise and trust. Psalm 116 verse 1, I love the Lord because he has heard the voice of my supplication. And verse 2, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Because proves to me that the difficulties of life confuse my soul to his. I love him because he first loved me. Number six, the Psalms have been a refuge and have taught me how to find a refuge in God. When unthinkable circumstances have unfolded, when life has handed me questions for which I've had no answers, when the fiercest of storms have howled and swirled, I have learned to hide myself in the safety of the God who is still a very present help in times of trouble. Psalm 46, one through two, God is our refuge and strength. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 33:20. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Psalm 27:5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. The God of the psalmists is still a refuge, a fortress, a rock of defense, a high tower, a safe place, a sure place in a rough world. 
When fear speaks, I still hide in him. Psalm 91.4 He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Number seven. And speaking of trust, the Psalms have taught me how to trust and have shown me that trust is not always perfect on my part, but that trust happens in crazy emotions and in spite of present questions. I choose trust. Psalm 28, 7, my heart trusted in him and I am helped. Psalm 56, 4, in God will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Number eight. The Psalms have taught me that God gives songs, even songs in the night. Psalm 42, verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Psalm 77, 6. I call to remembrance my song in the night. Psalm 33, 3. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song. He is a God who gives a song for what you need strength for. He still gives songs in the solitary confinement of caves and in the pitch black of midnight. Psalm 40, verse 3. He has put a new song in my mouth. Number 9. The Psalms have revealed what it looks like to be on a personal level with God. He's not just someone else's God or my pastor's God or my church's God. He's mine. Psalm 28, verse 1. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Psalm 3, 3. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. Psalm 121, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. Over and over again, The Psalms portray the depths of relationship between humanity and deity. He is mine. Psalm number 10. The Psalms have taught me that the goodness of God, the tender mercies of God, and their surety. They have taught me love for the people of God and the house of God. They have fueled my faith with phrases like, He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds, and I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The Psalms have instructed me on what repentance looks like in Psalm 51. I could go on and on with reasons I love the Psalms. The things the Psalms have shown me is a long list, but I will close with one final thing, or maybe it's two. Number 11, the Psalms have learned, in the Psalms I have learned the power of vulnerability and dependence. God is not looking for people who have it all together, but rather for people who know they don't. David wasn't a man after God's own heart because of his own perfection, but rather because he was willing to own his flaws, frailties, sins, failures, and imperfections before God and was willing to stick with the process of being perfected. He opens his heart with its fractures and crushing over and over. He tells God what he's facing and what he's dealing with repeatedly, And it is in these vulnerable statements that incredible dependence is both birthed and displayed. And ultimately, dependence is what God is after. He's looking for weak, dependent humanity through whom he can flow, 
through whom he can be strong, through which he can channel divine power and divine resources. Psalm 142, 2-3 I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. Psalm 51, verse 6 You desire truth in the inward parts. Psalm 51, 17 The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 42, 7, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me, and out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. In deep places I'll convey deep vulnerability and deep dependence, utter dependence, total and complete reliance upon the one I look to for everything. Charles Spurgeon says of this verse, Out of these depths we cry, wait, watch, and hope. In this psalm, we hear the pearl of redemption in verses 7 through 8. Perhaps the sweet singer would never have found that precious thing had he not been cast into the depths. Pearls lie deep. Beneath the floods, prayer lived and struggled. Yea, above the roar of the billows rose the cry of faith. It little matters where we are if we can pray, but prayer is never more real and acceptable than when it rises out of the worst places. Deep places beget deep devotion. Depths of earnestness are stirred by depths of tribulation. Diamonds sparkle most amidst the darkness. The more distressed we are, the more excellent is the faith which bravely trusts in the Lord and therefore appeals to Him and to Him alone. So in answer to the question, do I love the Psalms? I think the answer is a resounding and definitive yes. An emphatic and definite answer, yes, I love the Psalms. These are just a few of the reasons why. Psalm 145, verse 2, Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. So that was a bit long today, but I just pray that it will encourage you First and foremost, to sit with Jesus. If you have five minutes today, or if you have two hours today, or three hours today, stay by him. Sit constantly by him. This is where we get strength to run the race. This is where we get strength to fight the fight, to keep on keeping on. This is where the miracle grow of the word of God is poured over our souls, where we get to know him. And if you're in a dark season, find a refuge in the Psalms. Truly, the Psalms are so special, and they are balm for the brokenhearted. Thank you again so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's show, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday. Joy-filled Friday to you.